Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I am your host. And I'm curious, how early do you wake up to watch a soccer game on TV? How far are you driving this weekend for your kid to play? How much money have you spent on soccer jerseys or soccer cleats? You see, soccer and the business and consumption that comes with it is not the problem here in the United States. Soccer, the game itself, is loved and played and watched and supported by millions of people here in America. The problem with soccer in America doesn't have anything to do with soccer at all. America has a system problem. America has a closed door system problem to be specific. There is a big access denied sign posted on the doorstep leading up to our first division. And this is what is hurting soccer in our country. MLS, a franchise based single entity system that was created to protect its investors from open market competition is effectively shutting out potential players, coaches, investors, and entire communities of people who in all other parts of the world would have every right to build as they please and march their way into the first division based on merit. Oof, the gloves just came off. I have no problem admitting that I don't know enough about this stuff to teach a class on it. But thankfully, I know a few people who are incredibly well-versed in promotion and relegation, and I lean on them when necessary. And you're probably familiar with Ted Westerfeld. I invited Ted to join us during the 2016-343 coaching summit that took place at the Palms Resort Casino in Las Vegas. He made the trip with less than a week's notice, and we got right down to business when he arrived. Now, I have to put in a little side note here. I had never met Ted before, so when he walked up, I was actually on the pool deck uh, enjoying a drink, and him and I just, boom, instantly hit it off, started talking. It was a, it was a great introduction to, uh, to a guy who I've interacted with for many years on, uh, on the internet, on Twitter, uh, and it was great to put a, uh, a face with the name. But anyways, a, uh, a group of coaches... Uh, sat down with me and Ted in the bar at Palms, and we started discussing a bunch of different topics. And this episode of the 343 Podcast features some of the highlights from that very, very candid roundtable-style conversation. Now, of course, the conversation revolves around promotion and relegation, but this episode is very easy to digest and is a great way to get a better understanding of what this pro-rel movement is all about. I hope you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast, and be sure to check out all of our other offerings on 343coaching.com, such as player camps, coaching summits, our online coaching education memberships, and much more. There's videos, eBooks, all kinds of stuff, more podcast episodes. And with that, we're going to jump into this episode, uh, which is a special recording from the 2016-343 Coaching Summit with very special guest, Ted Westerfeld. Now, when Alexi says something like, build a better mousetrap, that is kind of directing the conversation towards 
build another D1. I can't think of another nation that has two Division I leagues. I can't think of another nation that has two federations. So what does building a better mousetrap really do, and, and, and how realistic would that be? Well, look, like I, like I sort of alluded to, I think, I think a lot of um, – I'm trying not to use a derogatory term – MLS apologists. <laughs> I think a lot of people who support MLS wouldn't uh, uh, look forward to this sort of uh, a lower division promotion relegation experiment sort of knowing how it will turn out. Um, I think it's a cynical approach from some of these guys. They know it's not going to develop. They know it's not an accurate representation of promotion relegation without D1, and they want to see it fall on its ass, basically, without, without putting D1 in play. And uh, they want to use that as a, hey, look, you know, here's, here's the cultural test. It didn't work. Promotion relegation stinks. But, you know, Alexi and some of these other guys uh, want to see that tried. And, you know, look, I'm not 100% cynical about it. I think that there is a chance that it does ignite some interest, and, and, and maybe we are in a different place than we were 10 years ago, and maybe NPSL opening up triggers a, triggers a broader response that, that, that forces MLS and forces U.S. soccer to consider opening the entire system. There's a chance of that happening, but as somebody who's been badgering for almost a decade now, uh, you got to excuse me for being a little cynical. I mean, these guys, I think, are prepared to, to stand up to, to, to opening of their, their system come hell or high water, and you have to be really um, cautious about the moves forward to, to, so that nobody tries to characterize what's happening as an accurate experiment or an accurate representation of what's going on. I mean, and that's just my opinion, and that doesn't take anything away from a guy like Dennis Crowley who wants to try this and who really believes and who, come, who comes from a position where, you know, you build the right thing, and it works. Uh, and he did that with Foursquare. He did that with other stuff. Uh, he's from the tech sector. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not, sometimes I'm not sure Dennis understands that you're dealing with a monopoly that it's almost as if the steel monopoly or the railroad monopoly or, or you know, uh, Andrew Carnegie was still with us today. I mean, you, you, it's, it's a long-standing thing that goes all the way back to Major League Baseball and the Antitrust arrangements. I mean, you're, you, it's a it's a tough road to hoe. I'm not worried about anything. I'm doing exactly what I want to do, and I think that this is the future. But the thing I want to happen, love. I don't care if you like a promotion relegation proponent. You don't like them. You think that they're obnoxious. You know, take take the issue for where it is, and and make up your own mind, and speak your own mind on it. Don't let somebody tell you that. This guy's a jerk or that guy's a jerk for talking about this. I mean, there are some real jerks that support promotion relegation. <laughs> I may be one of them, but I know more of them. But that's not going to stop me from talking about promotion relegation. I'm not going to personalize it to that point. So I hope that people do that. And, you know, I understand a little bit about, um, about uh, campaigns and PR, being that I worked in D.C. for 15 years. So, you know, you just got to... You just got to persevere, push through, and, and uh, you know, if you don't like me, if you don't like some other promotion relegation, don't let that stop you. Just just speak out anyway, you know. Just just preface everything you say with, I can't stand this guy, but that's fine. Go for it. Getting this conversation happening more often or with more people in the right circles, like what, like what is really holding this conversation back? Like what, what, what do you think? 
I mean, it's happening in the right circles right now. I'm on with Alexi Lalas, Marcelo Balboa. I'm on with Eric Winalda. I mean, this is the conversation is happening. That's not the problem. The problem is the roadblock. And that roadblock exists because guys like Don Garber and Sunil Gladi are going out and telling the world that we don't give a shit about promotion and relegation, that we don't, we don't care that our clubs don't have the same opportunities as the clubs in the rest of the world. And I know that sounds canned in some way, but that's the fact. So fans and supporters and regular old people have to just talk about it. And I'm just a regular old guy, really. I mean... I have, I'm lucky enough that I'm able to obsess about this a lot, but I do it because I think it's the right thing to do. So you just got to step up to the plate, and in whatever venue you have available, talk about it. Prove that we care. That's really the threshold here. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And you may not trust FIFA, and you may think that the whole, the whole system is corrupt, and you may think left, but it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want U.S. clubs to have the same opportunities in the world, speak up about it. Just talk about it. That's that's the big struggle. That's the hurdle. That's what we got across. Look, as rigged as you might think the system is, or as as small as you might think your voice is, when you when you put it together and can generate traffic like we're generating for promotion relegation USA, you know, that's something that can be displayed, and and it's gonna have to get a lot bigger because you're dealing with. Uh, a real power, but we're we're approaching that. I mean, the Pro Rail for USA hashtag. They did Pro Rail for USA uh, week or Pro Rail week. About, uh, what was it? Two months ago now, and that was peaking just below the MLS hashtag, and and that's not bad. Now look, there's plenty of things that can be done beyond that, but it's about getting that out there. And uh, I'm not the one who put together that Pro Rail for USA hashtag, so. You know, there are plenty of people out there who did it, and everybody's participating in it, and it's the way to go, and it's just one more way to gauge traffic so that we can display to other people that this is a real conversation, that it's, that it's happening in the United States, and it's happening at a level that, that people don't want to admit. When did you become a soccer buff? Because you're, you're obviously uh, you're into the history of U.S. soccer, and, and I think that's very... Uh, it's kind of an unknown side of Ted. And, um, oh, more beers just got to the table. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's kind of an, the, the untold story of Ted is, is that you're actually really well-versed in the history of American soccer. So what was first, the history, your knowledge of the history of U.S. soccer or your battle for pro-rel? The battle for pro was first, and uh, that spawned my interest in uh, in American soccer history. So I started to look back and, and look for a pattern in, in, in what happened. You know, when, when you're a layperson or you're just coming into American soccer history, you look back at American soccer history and you say, ah, soccer wasn't that popular. All these leagues that happened before weren't that big. Uh, they all failed. You know, soccer just wasn't that big back in the day. And then you think, you, you, you start to think about immigration patterns in the United States, and you think about the early 1900s, and you think about the U.S. population doubling basically, from, basically from on European immigration in the early 1900s, and you're like, soccer was huge in Europe, so what was going on then? And, and you find that the American Soccer League was going on then, and it was, it, was, it was second to baseball. It was second to Major League Baseball and professional team sports. 
soccer's been with us for a really long time. I mean, and then you, you take it from there and you take it to the next attempt at a league. And then you say, wait, we've got this incredible market for soccer now that's reflected in the 1950s. And then it's reflected again in the 1920s. You can take it all the way back. And then you say, well, wait, maybe it's not soccer that's the problem. Maybe it's the system. So that's where it's at right now with the soccer history stuff and it's i mean it's amazing players coaches the stories that go all the way back to shoot the first professional league in 1894 i mean this is this is this is amazing stuff baseball you think the new york yankees got on and realized soccer was getting big major league baseball put up an entire league in 1894 because they thought soccer was going to be so big so that potential you know these same guys are seeing that potential the, the, the same way they're doing now two millennia ago. <laughs> is millennia the right word? Whatever it is. The 19th century they saw this potential. And, you know, it just it, when you dive in head first, you see that uh, it's perfectly reasonable to question the system. What are some other leagues or countries that have caught your attention right now what what do you what are you paying close attention to well the chinese league is the other big one i mean china china's chosen to, to stay open and uh wild west style I, I don't know of any any major um um regulations that they have i you know it's about having the money to form a club and taking it as far as you want to go in china it's 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 pure free market capitalism where we have sort of full capitalism without the free market but but China, the, the, the transfer fees right now are absolutely insane. I mean, the, the players that they're buying are absolutely, I mean, it's the amount of money that the, the, the first division and the second division, I mean, the second division crushed MLS in transfer fees this year in China. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just another great example of a system that encourages that kind of investment. I mean, sure, in MLS, you need 100 million bucks to get in. Where does that 100 million bucks go? I mean, you could spend it on players, you could spend it on crazy transfers, but instead it goes into some neverland of who knows where. I mean, and I, it just brings it right back to the point of, gosh, how awesome would it be for, 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 for a club to be able to spend that money on soccer and not on some marketing arrangement or some relationship with MLS? The risk is always low to get into a to a closed monopoly cartel system. So uh, that's I think that's you know one of the arguments I get is based upon that 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 point. Like, well, these guys are investing X amount because they know they can't be relegated. So you know you get into that position where I don't know. I mean, it's is it? I just don't know that it's going anywhere positive in terms of, of opening the system, but the risk is lower just by virtue of what's happening. And the problem really is, I mean, where I would segue from there is MLS continues to sell soccer as look what the European leagues are doing. Look how awesome, look how awesome the World Cup ratings are. Look how awesome every single piece of soccer that we import is doing compared to ours <laughs> look at that as the benchmark that's why you should invest in us because we are the d1 league and someday we'll be reaching out and and and, and we'll be competing with these other great d1 leagues like you have an amazing opportunity here so it's a it never gets there is, is the answer it never actually gets there and so 
Right now, MLS is appealing to a smaller slice of U.S. fans than they did in 1996. I mean, in 1996, you look at the Google data, you look at the TV ratings. MLS was doing great. MLS owned the United States. Today, it's it's you're talking about a you're talking about a five percent market share at best. It's it's pathetic, and, and the the ratings are off the scale for everything else compared to MLS at this point. So my question for you is. The NPSL commissioner just came out and said he would love for promotion relegation between NASL and NPSL to happen. And so my question is, do you think that if that were to happen, that that could outgrow MLS? I'm 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 skeptical. I want to believe it, and and like I say, I say I say this on Twitter all the time. I want people to prove me wrong on this. I am. I just don't see how how lower division promotion relegation draws the kind of increases in interest and investment that you would see with a fully open system. And I'm really scared that that if it doesn't live up to it, what we all hope it would live, what we all hope it would be, that it would be somebody would characterize it as here's promotion relegation not working. Here's an example of Americans aren't ready for it. Whereas I think you know a lot of people out there know that if it's not open to D1. You know, how can you take that to an investor and say, you want a piece of my club? I can't get to D1, but do you want a piece of my club? You know, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's, that, that pay, that, that investment cut is probably worth a, a few million dollars right there. If you say, it's kind of open, but it's not, you can get to NASL, but you can't get all the way to the top. And on that note, we are going to wrap up this conversation with Ted. We have uh, a whole night of fun ahead of us here at the summit, and it was a, a total pleasure. Unexpected as well, like I said in the beginning of the episode, that this this was, uh, it, it took about a week uh, total to get Ted out here, uh, or a week's notice, sorry, a week's notice to get Ted out here. And, and he's only here for maybe a few more hours, and he flies back to Colorado. So, uh, Ted, thank you for joining us, and Kyle, Wayne, Chad, uh, to Ben and Paul who are here off to the side. Um, thank everybody uh, for, for being part of this episode, a special episode. We've never done one like this before. Uh, any last words for, for everybody, Ted? Don't stop talking about promotion relegation. <laughs> talk, go talk, do whatever. Go into your street and talk to yourself about it. I mean, do, talk about it on Twitter, do whatever you want, but talk about it. It's making a difference. Every time you talk about it, it's a good thing, especially if it can be um, it can be measured and metric. So that's why I say just do it on Twitter if you get a chance, and then that helps because then we can measure it. And if you're unfamiliar with Ted on Twitter, which I find very uh, very unlikely if you're listening to this podcast, uh, it's at Soccer Reform, and, and you can find him on there. And from Ted, you can find links to um, a, a ton of different things uh, revolving around American soccer history, around promotion, relegation, and, and all things soccer. Uh, it, it's a it's it's a very good uh, it's a very good account to follow, and I highly recommend it. Again, thank you to everybody for being part of this episode. Thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you guys here in the future. Thanks. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Three Four Three Podcast. Thank you to Ted for flying out to Vegas and joining us for the weekend. And thank you to everybody else that was part of the conversation there at the Palms and sat with us, drank with us, uh, and just roundtabled with us for about an hour. It was a great time. It's, uh, 
I guess one of the many advantages of, of getting like-minded people together and having these types of conversations in person, uh, taking it away from Twitter and, and bringing it into real life. And that was, uh, that was truly something special to me and, and, uh, and I think to everybody else that was, uh, that was part of it. So with that, we are going to sign off and we will see you guys again in the future. Thank you.